Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner with Adam Hanson here in the studio and Cody Beeson. We're going to be talking this morning about nuclear energy and the reversing course that uh, California has taken recently, or more specifically, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, in his approach to the Diablo Canyon power plant. He was a big advocate of shutting down all the power plant, nuclear power plants in California and nearly accomplished his goal. There's only one power plant left operating there, generating electricity, and that is the Diablo Canyon power plant. It is located between Los Angeles and San Jose along the coast there. It uses the ocean water to cool down its reactors. It's only got two reactors that are functioning, although that it, it, it can work off of six reactors, so it could actually generate three times more electricity than it currently is um, producing. And it was scheduled to be decommissioned in 2025. But uh, there's been some very late hour, 11th hour legislation introduced to extend its operational period for 10 more years to 2035. And that is because California is not ready to stand on its own two feet with uh, renewable electricity. It's been cutting back on carbon emissions and uh, fossil fuel use electricity and also destroying all of its nuclear plants and finding out that that's uh, causing an electricity shortage. Surprise, surprise. So how much electricity does this nuclear plant produce and how much of it is uh, destroying the environment and going contrary to those who love the earth and all that is nature? So how harmful is this nuclear power plant to the environment? Well, it produces 10%, roughly 10% of California's carbon-free electricity. And that that's saying a lot, meaning because this uh, power plant has been in place and functioning for over 30 years. See, I thought at first like it was a political move. That's why they were pushing that football down the line by 10 years. But I think it's more like, Oh no! Look at what Germany's going through. Just absolute—it's an absolute necessity. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just not ready for it. Yeah, they. There was some rolling blackouts that occurred in uh, 2020, and I know that uh, the severity of those blackouts would have been much, much worse if they didn't have this nuclear power plant that produces so much electricity there. So Gavin Newsom's looking at it and thinking, okay. Everybody knows he wants to make a presidential bid for 2024. Perhaps he doesn't make it in 2024, or even if he does. And the state starts wallowing in rolling blackouts and having to conserve or uh, ration the electricity usage to its residents because of his policies. That's going to look really bad on him. And so he wants to kick the can down the road for a little bit longer and continue subsidizing these other green energy projects like solar and wind and geothermal. The problem is the subsidies for these projects have been occurring for 60 years and we haven't seen the type of production out of them that we need to to replace the current sources of electricity right now. For example, uh, obviously coal, gas, and uh, nuclear. I represent the Industrial Development Authority of Yuma County. And um, so I got, I got asked the other day by somebody down at the city, 
about how how fun basically this organization what it does is it uh, gives loans at a preferential rate that are based on bonds um, to big projects here in Yuma County. And so in order to get a bond from this organization, you've got to go through the county supervisors and get that approved. And it's got to go through the, um, the, the Yuma County um, Industrial Development Board as well and get approved. And once that gets done, you go through that process, then it, then you get a loan extended to you based on bonds and, and it's going to be hopefully at a preferential rate. And so big projects go through this means, especially now with interest rates rising up. So there's more interest in this type of uh, loaning procedure. Well, I had to have a conversation the other day with uh, an individual down at the city because they're asking questions. Well, how does this particular, we've been approached by people wanting to come to Yuma to build some projects, energy projects. And so as our conversation went on, I asked the question, well, what kind of energy are they looking at? Solar, uh, mainly solar and um, some other things. And I asked, well, what about nuclear? Anything in the nuclear realm? Oh, no, no nuclear, just solar. Um, And I said, well, why not nuclear? (laughs) Because in my mind, and we've talked about this a lot, Sean, nuclear seems to be an easy solution. It's the most environmental friendly. It gives us more energy exponentially than any solar, hydro, or uh, um, wind alternatives could, yet... We're not pursuing it. And the biggest question comes to my mind, why? Why is it because of the the accidents that have happened over time in, in history and that gives us all a bad taste in our mouths? Or is it regulations because of government tape? Uh, what is? Why are we not pursuing solar, or sorry, uh, nuclear when it's been shown it's the safest, it's the uh, most cost-effective, it generates more power for less, and it's more envi- environmental friendly. So why aren't we doing it? That's my biggest question. Yeah, and it all comes down to um, the stigma that it has. When you when you hear nuclear, I mean, there's even a phrase: "This person's going nuclear," and that means they're going crazy. They're you know, they explode. Yeah, the, the gloves are off, and they're going to just go crazy on you. And so, nuclear is is oftentimes envisioned along with mushroom clouds and uh, Chernobyl where there's the nuclear power plant uh, failed and, and there was a big meltdown and it, and it cast a nuclear um, radioactive material into the stratosphere that s- circumvented the globe. And so we look at those things. We look at Three Mile Island. We look at uh, more recently Fukushima and they're really sensationalized. But if you look a little bit closer, um, Chernobyl, there was very few, relatively few, and the numbers are very hard to track because it, it, depending on the resource, you can you can find anywhere from 20 people died in that to thousands of people died and are continuing to die from that. So um, we don't know exactly how many people died as a result of the accident and uh, the, the radiation that uh, continues from that accident. But we do know that the technology used there was very old, and the safety regulations there were essentially non-existent. And so the practices that led to that meltdown ha- have been totally reformed. So it would not happen again. Fukushima, you know, that was in Japan. And Jap- the Japanese, let's just face it, they have a little higher standard in running their industries over there. And uh, there was this tsunami that uh, flooded all of the 
diesel generators that were the backups to pump the water to cool down the nuclear reactors. And because those were flooded, they, the electricity couldn't go to pump the water to cool the reactors, and, and there was a meltdown. Um, how many people died, though, from Fukushima? Um, I think one died of a heart attack. And nobody died specifically because of the meltdown, but there were um, a couple of hundred people died because of the panic that resulted in, in the evacuation, primarily those who were in long-term care facilities like nursing homes. So it's, it's really overblown. And how much death and, and disaster is caused from these nuclear power plants. So you go back and you look at other sources and, and you look at coal, you look at uh, even wind, there's, there's more deaths per kilowatt generated of electricity in every other field than nuclear. Nuclear, if you look at the charts and the, the danger factor for every other source of electricity, nuclear is at the very bottom of the line. And it's like, it, it, it's not even close. It's, it's less than 1% of, say, coal or gas or the others. So you're, you're right. One person died because of cancer death? Oh, can, it was cancer? Yeah, okay, so that, he was he was exposed to the radiation then. Right, and then 16 were injured because of hydrogen explosions. Yes. And so, so yeah, they use hydrogen um, to cool the reactors. And uh, those hydrogen, it's stored at a very high capacity, you know, a lot of PSI involved there. And so, and it, that explodes. And also, when, when we saw the explosions, it is highly flammable. And uh, so that was the hydrogen that was exploding. When you look at the video footage of Fukushima plant meltdown, it's not the nuclear that is exploding there. The nuclear is actually very stable. It was the hydrogen that was exploding. And that's what's burning off? Yeah, and, and, and to, to the point there, hydrogen is actually something that those who are advocates of green energy are really looking into enhancing and moving towards is the use of more hydrogen power, which that's the only thing that actually blew up in that nuclear power plant and, and, and killed 16 times more people than the nuclear. Well, yeah, yeah, it hurt them. Oh, it hurt yeah, them. You know, okay. So only, only one died, though. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, one death, and, and every death's valuable, but we're talking about powering the planet with billions of people on it, and uh, we need to find a, a source that is available to do that. We want to reduce the carbon footprint, and whether or not you buy into th that it's the carbon emissions into the climate that is causing the global warming, that's causing all of these catastrophic floods and these um, mega droughts, that that's another issue if you're going to get on board with the movement that seems to be unrelenting and unstoppable that is we've got to reduce the carbon emissions into the atmosphere how do we do that and more importantly how do we just do it in an environmentally friendly environmental friendly way of producing electricity and adam spoke to that we got to go to break this is life death and law 560 am kblu we will be right back more thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. 
I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. This is 560 AM KBLU. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. We've got uh, attorney Sean Garner here. We've got our, our man in the house, uh, Cody Beeson, pushing buttons and turning dials, trying to make things work um, the best that he can. And uh, we've been talking a lot today about alternative energy sources. This comes on the heels of Gavin Newsom um, declaring war on the nuclear industry in California and then, then walking that back because of the realization that, oops, we don't have enough energy to fund or to produce the energy necessary to drive our electric cars that we have to be driving by 2035 in California because they will not produce any more gas-consuming engines in California or allow it. Uh, so they are in a pickle, and they've seen what's happened in Germany and mainly Western Europe because of their dependence on Russia oil and energy, and now they're kind of in a big pickle, and so now they're walking that back. And, and like Sean mentioned last segment, that uh, Gavin Newsom is trying to position himself, we all think, for the presidential run in 2024 because obviously they're not backing their horse, uh, the Biden sinking ship uh, in 2024. There's no Democrat in the Democratic Party that is going to back that guy up. Uh, and he, who knows? He probably won't live that long anyway, right? Are we right? Am I right on that? Come on. So anyway, uh, we've, got, we've got a lot going on. The problem and why, why this really affects you and I here in Arizona is because in the meantime, where do they get their energy? Well, they get it from us. Palo Verde uh, uh, nuclear plant is a huge generator of nuclear energy for the western states, primarily Arizona, but it goes all the way over to Texas and beyond. Uh, so people are sucking off of our nuclear power plant and not willing to build their own. And California is one of those suckers. And so it does affect us because all this energy we give away or sell to other people, other states, let's say, it's less for us. And um, uh, the idea is, well, how do we get off of, um, let's say, energy sources that are not environmentally friendly or I don't even think that's the biggest concern. I think the biggest concern is how do we continue to generate energy and where do we get the fuel to do that fuel to create the energy and electricity we need? Uh, is that going to come from coal? Is it going to come from hydro from dams? Is it going to come from wind solar? All of these alternative sources are good but they're not the best. And the reason why is because they cannot generate the power needed to run our air conditioning units, to power our, our Tesla um, in, in mass. And so we're starting to see this in Western Europe, specifically with uh, Germany, um, how they've kind of gone all in on this alternative energy sourcing 
And uh, now they're shooting themselves in the foot because they don't have enough energy and they've got to do rolling blackouts and things like that. Well, California is on that road and they're starting to realize it, that they've made these declarations. We will not produce anything that will damage our environment um, or um, be running off of fossil fuels. Those are the devil. And therefore, uh, we've got to be done with that by 2035. And then they're like, oh, whoops. Well, and, and this is the interesting thing is because Germany um, is decommissioning or has decommissioned all of its nuclear power plants. And uh, since 20 or the year 2000, in the past 20 years, um, the carbon footprint for each person using electricity there has gone up by 43%. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. They are using more coal, more natural gas, primarily natural gas is what they use. And um, they don't produce it themselves. Um, they don't have the reserves of natural gas. And so they're importing natural gas. So not only are they creating more carbon by decommissioning their nuclear power plants than they were before, and not just a small amount, 43% more than they were in 2000. And uh, they are relying on other powers that be, uh, primarily Russia, to import their natural gas, and that causes these major global conflicts. I mean, if if Russia didn't have such a stranglehold on Europe for its energy, then the war might be going much differently in Ukraine. And there are different opinions out there as to what our role should be on this conflict, this, this war in Russia, and how much arms we should supply and whether or not we should provide troops to support Ukraine. But I think everybody agrees that we don't continue to contribute economically to Russia's invasion into Ukraine. However, Germany doesn't have an option. They have to continue to fund this war because if they don't, then their own people are going to freeze to death in the wintertime or die of heat stroke in the summertime, just simply go without the essentials for everyday human life, which is electricity. Well, it would force their economy to shut down. Yeah. I mean, that, that much, you know, energy, they, they don't have a choice, like you said. And, and, and Russia's really laughing in the face of all these European sanctions because who's being hurt more um, from these sanctions? We know that Europe has been, is in a crisis, it's really in an energy crisis. They are rationing the amount of electricity that people can use. In Russia, um, we have right uh, in our office a uh, paralegal that we've had on the show before, and her name is Svetlana. She has family still in Russia, and she communicates with them every day. I just sat down with her yesterday, and I talked to her, and I said, how is your family doing? How, how are the economic sanctions affecting their day-to-day -day living? And she kind of looked at me and thought for a long while, and you could tell she was trying to think of something that had changed in their lives since the war began uh, in January. And she said, no, they're doing fine. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. Um, the idea and the concept of sanctions were, were great, but the actual result is something totally different, and we're seeing the exact same thing with nuclear. The idea of getting rid of this highly stigmatized uh, source of electricity is, is, is great in theory. However, let's look at the science. These are the same people that during the COVID outbreak were pointing at all the anti-vaxxers and saying, follow the science, pointing at the people that weren't wearing masks, look at the science, pointing at the people that didn't want to shut down the economy, look at the science. 
Well, the science has shown us that the states that didn't shut down, the states that didn't require masks, the states that didn't require vaccinations, and the industries, they didn't actually get negatively impacted. In fact, they fared better than those states that were very strict in in shutting down and um, trying to prevent the spread of COVID. We've got China right now that's got this zero COVID policy. And there's absolutely horrendous humanitarian abuses. There's a horrendous humanitarian crisis in China because they are locking people into their towns and in certain cases in buildings when there's been a report of COVID in a certain location. And uh, the people are finally saying enough's enough. If if there's going to be a revolt in China, it's because of their hard policies on COVID. It seems like that has been a real tipping point for the people in China because they're not allowed to survive and uh, comply with the zero COVID policy that the totalitarian regime over there has imposed. I think I know what you're talking about. There was a video of people like fleeing, running out of a mall. Mm -hmm. Somebody had entered and they were test positive. And I guess the policy is to like lock that down. Every facility that, yeah, somebody has reported a, to be exposed to COVID or tested positive for COVID gets locked down. And the people, as soon as they heard that, they en masse charged against the security guards and busted open the doors and fled out into the streets because they didn't want to be herded like cattle into this mall, which would have then become this storage facility for people to waste away. One of the new exciting things that I... I I've been looking into recently is um, what are called SMRs. Have you heard of these, Sean? They're small modular reactors. Mm -hmm. And so um, the idea is that they're super tiny nuclear reactors, but they have the ability to put out about one third of a traditional nuclear power plant. And they call them modular because they're built in a factory and shipped to the location. And, and, And so even those locales that wouldn't traditionally allow for a whole nuclear power plant like Palo Verde here in Arizona being built on site, you can get these little nuclear reactors that have the ability to put out, the, uh, the what I've read is up to about 300 megawatts. Um, so it's about one third of a, a traditional nuclear reactor or, or power plant. So one of those could easily power Yuma and beyond Yuma County and beyond if we were to get one of those here. So why aren't we doing things like that? Well, I, I think it's just more of the stigma that we went back to before of these in the past, we've seen nuclear fallouts in a couple locations all in all though. I mean, you, you look at these, as you were talking about the numbers um, for the Japanese nuclear reactor meltdown and 16 people, you know, their, their lives were uh, one lost his life but you had other people that were affected by it. And then I looked at the stats when you were talking about that. I thought to myself, what about Detroit last year? How many people lost their lives because of shootings? And um, it was over 100, you know, of, of just shootings in the streets. So when you put it in comparison, the benefits outweigh, in my mind, the, the cost of life. Every life, like you said, is precious, Sean. But at the same time, it... it it's that cost analysis. It's uh, more effective to use nuclear uh, for our environment than it is to use coal or even we've talked about the, the damage that wind turbines cause to the environment and they cause 
much more damage in areas that they're installed. If you drive over to San Diego on your way, you're going to find all these wind turbines. What they're starting to find is like uh, environmentally, those are horrible on those landscapes. They're killing native birds. They're killing um, the indigenous plants and the animals there. And they didn't, they didn't anticipate that. And they're really not even generating that much. They just don't have the ability to do as much energy generation as solar, number one. But number two, and the best of all, is nuclear or even coal. And so why are we not using or pursuing these, these particular technologies like these small modular reactors, which are really incredible? Thinking about small nuclear reactors, the first thing that comes to my mind is a submarine. We've been operating nuclear submarines for decades. And why? Why are we able to use a small reactor and these things to keep, keep them underwater indefinitely, really? Uh, I was looking at an article. Air- aircraft carriers, a lot of large ships in the Navy are run off of nuclear reactors. Are they just uh, immune immune to... They give them a shot in order to get on there, yeah. Oh, I see. I- iodine. Yeah. That does it. <laughs> But no, seriously, like why why couldn't something like that be hooked up outside on coastal cities, you it, know, to offset some electricity? It absolutely could, you know. And we've already got the technology. It's not like it's new. And it doesn't have to be in a, a coastal city. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking like what would that do if, if you it were, melts down, yeah, you're you know, saying. Well, I mean, if you were to park a, a nuclear aircraft carrier out, you know, and produce mm-hmm. power off of that and a runway. And a runway. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that it works, you, you know. know what I mean? We ought to you, do. You have these mobile. You units. stick one of those suckers in the USS Midway, make it pull its weight around here. <laughs> just sits there in the harbor and does nothing. Right there, we go. now we have a museum and a power generating station. And the Chinese are none the wiser. They don't even know. Well, there, there's another point that we got to bring up because we want to. We we see what's happening in Europe with its dependency on natural gas and energy from Russia and how Russia is, is absolutely crippling Europe. And so what we're doing is saying, we got to go green energy. Well, what, what new American jobs are gonna be produced by all of this green energy manufacturing? They're going to be a lot of box openers for people that are opening uh, solar panels that are shipped from China. Right. That, <laughs> that's yeah. gonna be their job. Because we know that these solar panels are produced in China. Nobody has suggested otherwise. And they have said over and over again, and this is the Biden administration particularly, that says that uh, green energy is going to create thousands of new jobs here in America. Doing what? Opening the boxes that are shipped from China that actually produces these um, solar panels or these wind turbines because that's where they're being produced and they're being shipped over here. And then how long, what's their lifespan? About 20 years, 20, 25 years. What's going to go on with the waste? And a lot of it is environmentally hazardous waste that needs to be disposed of. So we're either going to be um, taking on the high cost of keeping that waste here in the United States, or we're going to do what we've continued to do with that type of waste. We're going to ship it over to China, and they're going to say, yes, we cross our fingers and, or cross our heart and hope to die that we will, we will dispose of it in an environmentally friendly way. And then they chuck it into the ocean, and that's it, right? We know that's what happens. Ship it to Taiwan. To Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, the, no, they like Taiwan too much. Um, so we, we know that the solar is, is making the United States more reliant on China. Could there anything bad happen from that? Could there be any negative consequence? 
Um, well, maybe they stop making the, the, the chips that run their solar panels. Maybe they stop supplying the, the parts to repair their solar panels. Maybe they stop supplying the solar panels altogether. Or maybe we just all realize that solar panels aren't all that efficient. And uh, <laughs> that, that, that would help quite a bit. But the fact is, why are we going towards this method that produces very little electricity in, in the overall scheme of things and relies heavily on our number one competitor globally, economically, and uh, militarily right now, as in China. So if we're pushing this nuclear plan and we're saying, okay, this is more efficient, it's more cost-effective, and it's more environmentally safe than any other type of energy production, and uh, for some reason, our government's not really pushing this in their green go green act they're really into hydro solar and wind but not so much nuclear is there any what do you need to create the nuclear reaction and do we have enough of it here in the united states or are we still going to be relying on venezuela or on china in order to get what we need the materials to cause this nuclear reaction such that we would have the energy generation that we're even looking for what do we need to make nuclear so nuclear you need either uranium or thorium is actually another element that is unstable, and, and we need an unstable element to produce atomic electricity or nuclear electricity. And thorium, it is very abundant, very cheap, and so is uranium. Either one of those are abundant in the United States and relatively cheap compared to all other sources of energy to, to generate the type of heat that we need to produce electricity. So that, that's what we need. We need cement or we need other type of lead-reinforced construction materials. That's what they use in those modular nuclear power plants is a lot of lead. And they can make them from the size of a refrigerator to the size of a semi-truck. I've seen them um, the size of several semi-trucks. They bring them in and they put them together. The Army is right now, the armed forces, I should say, is actually investing a lot of R&D into that because... That when they go in and set up these field camps and they need electricity, uh, diesel sometimes is not only is it not as efficient, but it's hard to come by. And if they were to bring in their own energy source that could power them indefinitely while they were doing operations in the field, then that would help them be much more efficient. And they're looking towards nuclear. So every time the Army needs it to get something done, because the Army... They don't look at, okay, well, they do more PR nowadays, but not as much PR as the rest of us. And they say, what do we got to do to get the job done? Okay, that's the answer. Let's do that. And we've seen that with uh, nuclear submarines and nuclear uh, aircraft carriers. And now we're looking at in the field for those modular nuclear capacitors. So I Googled thorium deposits in the United States. Guess what came up? Hmm. You're backwoods. You're backwoods in Idaho. So the largest known thorium deposit in the United States. It's massive. And we know that they're doing a lot of tests for these modular nuclear reactors in Idaho. In fact, your brother works at one of these plants, right? Yeah, so my brother works for Idaho National Laboratory, and it's the premier lead-the-pack type of nuclear research facility in the United States, and they're doing a lot of good work there with the government and uh, trying to get things... Really, what their job is to make sure that um, it's clean and uh, proposed ideas are are being vetted in a safe way. And that's how I came to know about these small modular reactors is because my brother had told me about them 
and research that they'd been doing and how beneficial they are. But really the general public doesn't know. I, I mean, I, like I, I brought up the other day or I brought up how the other day I had this conversation with an individual at the city and, and how I brought up, Hey, are we, do we see anything coming across the desk about nuclear projects happening here in Yuma? And no, nope, nothing to that. You know, solar, other, other forms of, of um, like burning trash and stuff. It reminded me of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. I'm like, burning trash is not going to get the job done here. I mean, come on. Anyway, these are the projects that are coming across the desk in, in Yuma. I'm thinking, Mayor Nichols, it's very simple. I shouldn't say it that way. It's probably not very simple. Cody, you've been in government. You know, it's not very simple. It is in, in, in theory, but getting people to do things is probably not as easy. Um, but I'm thinking, Mayor Nichols, all you got to do is go to these people like INL and say, hey, we're really interested. We want to be a, 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 a maverick here in Southern Arizona and show the United States and Southern uh, Southwest United States how we can do this and let Yuma be the model of energy. And it won't take a lot. It just takes a little bit of funding, which we can get through the government and through bond processing. Well, look at what we did when electric cars came out. We went to different manufacturers and said, hey, what better place to test your electric vehicle or your battery vehicle, you know, than a place where it gets to be 120? And I believe Chrysler signed up right off the bat. But point being was we are a testing ground. We can improving grounds. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. But no, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying is we have that opportunity. We do have that opportunity. And I think we need to leverage that opportunity. People people want to come here. They want to. And what does that do? It, it creates jobs for humans. And good jobs. I mean, these aren't just jobs. These are good, high-paying jobs. And they are technical jobs that will bring more wealth, more prosperity to the Yuma sector. And that's what we really want. We got to go to a break. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM, KBLU. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM KBLU. I'm attorney Adam Hanson, and I'm sitting in the studio today with the one and only Mr. Attorney Sean Garner. He's uh, currently taking a nap. And then we've got Cody Beeson. He's turning dials and uh, pushing buttons and stuff, making it look like he's doing something. We've been talking a lot about nuclear and how that's the answer to all of our, our woes. And who knows? We, uh, this is just our opinion. 
Don't take our opinion for fact, but uh, we know what we're talking about sometimes. But we we really are on the nuclear train, and, and the questions become relevant when it, when we're facing rolling blackouts just right next door. I mean, in California, they are talking about implementing rolling blackouts, and especially as we come closer and closer to less fossil burning fuels, uh, um, vehicles that that burn fossil fuels becoming less and less and electric vehicles becoming more and more. I'm all for Teslas and things like that. I think it's pretty awesome. But at the same time, if everybody drove a Tesla, our our energy, our new, our, our uh, electric grid could not handle it. The infrastructure yeah. would not be able to do that. And California has widely acknowledged that now more and more. They say that people need to be conscious as to when they're charging their cars. They need to not charge their cars during peak hours because it's going to cause the grid to shut down. And so it's like, go buy electric cars. Electric cars will solve everything. Electric cars are totally green. They don't produce any CO2 emissions. Well, that discounts the fact that they actually produce uh, 12 times the CO2 emissions in producing that electric car and 400 times the mining materials necessary to produce that car but uh, that you actually need electricity to charge the battery of the car. Where does that electricity come from? It's not coming from the, the wind or the sun. They're not solar-powered plants that are producing it. It's the traditional fossil fuel or nuclear that is producing the power that is charging these cars. So they're, and they're, even if they had enough electricity to do it, which they don't, they don't have the infrastructure, the wiring in the neighborhoods to support these 30-amp outlets that are necessary to charge your Tesla or your electric car. You know, I, this reminds me, there was this environmental summit where everybody you know, drove electric cars. So everybody flew in, they had electric Teslas there for them. Anyways, long story short, they charged those Teslas at night with diesel generators. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> It's it is, it's hilarious, and yeah. and and they're doing the same thing with natural gas. They're saying we got to cut off natural gas. We got to turn for stoves in California. California wants to be to zero CO two emissions by twenty forty five. They're cutting off all the sales of um, internal combustion engines by uh, what is that twenty? I thought it was twenty thirty five. Yeah, I thought it was I'm coming not, up. It's it it's, it's actually quicker than that. I think it's twenty thirty. And so you, you can't buy a car, regular um, gasoline burning or car, diesel yeah. burning car, by 2030. And uh, so, and, and stoves and other cooking, they want you to change from natural gas to electricity. Well, what are they doing to create the electricity that powers your stove? They're burning natural gas to create the electricity. By the time you burn that natural gas to create electricity, pipe it through the, the wire to get to the home, you've reduced the efficiency of it by about 70%. If you were to just piped the natural gas, which is already currently in the infrastructure, to allow the people to cook with an open flame on natural gas, so it's it's absolutely asinine the, the types of things that they're doing. Just switching back um, for a bit here, the there's a great comparison, and Michael Schellenberger is one of the leaders in showing the efficiency of nuclear power. And what's so great about Michael Schellenberger is that he's really been on every side of the issue. He started out in Greenpeace. He was su such an advocate for Greenpeace that he went and he lived in Brazil, in the Amazon, and he stood up 
against the, the, the destruction of the Amazon forest. And he wanted to really make a difference in the world. He was a huge advocate during um, the Barack Obama administration in securing government subsidies for renewable energy. And he was successful in securing $150 billion of government funds for not only R&D, but the production of renewable energy sources. And he saw that from that $150 billion, they were able to increase the renewable energy to about one half percent of the energy needs of California, one half percent. Nuclear on the, on the other side, when he was looking at that, he saw that it was currently back in 2008 producing about 18 to 20% of California's needs. If he would have put the same amount or Barack Obama would have put the same amount of money into nuclear power, it could be producing right now 50% of California's electrical needs. And that's totally carbon free. And it wouldn't last just 20 years or 25 years. It could last. Current nuclear plants are generally, they have a 40 to 80 year life expectancy. Imagine one that was built in the 2020s as opposed to the ones that were built in the 1960s and 70s. They're going to be so much more efficient and last much longer. But uh, that didn't happen. And so what do we do? We secured now another 100 and I believe it was $60 billion dollars for this Inflation Reduction Act to commit to green energy. If you committed that to nuclear power plants, we could essentially solve a lot of not only the carbon footprint issues that we have, but the energy crisis that we have in California and throughout the United States. I really wondered, you know, when you sent this topic over, like, what was the angle, what were the discussion was going to be? And then, you know, what happens to your neighbor really affects you as well. Well, it absolutely does. And we talked about the, the, during the last episode that we played last Monday, uh, we talked about how California is using so much of the Colorado River and they get 4.4 million acre feet of water each year and we only get 2.8 in Arizona. But we have to reduce our usage, our 2.8 million acre feet allotment by 22% as of January next year. And California doesn't have to reduce theirs at all. And that doesn't seem fair. And, and in reality, it isn't fair, but that's that's what is happening. To that point a little bit more, we have the Palo Verde nuclear power plant. And Adam, you've spoken to that before and how efficient it is and how much electricity it produces. Where does it get the water? Water to cool its nuclear reactors. It gets it primarily from Phoenix and uh, the metropolitan area there, the wastewater plants. It uses the wastewater from Phoenix to cool down the reactors that it is using to produce electricity in Palo Verde. It's amazing. So we have a water crisis. We need to use a less water and uh, they're recycling water to do it. We need to make a smaller footprint on the environment and uh, the nuclear energy in Palo Verde, that, that Palo Verde plant is only about four, four to five acres. That's it, four or five acres. Have you seen the solar panels when you're driving down I-8? Oh, it's massive. They're huge. Or if you've seen them going to Las Vegas, they're, they're massive as well. And the environmental impact there is huge because when you're covering huge swaths of earth with all this manufactured glass and uh, metal and 
a lot of chemically harmful components that are necessary to generate solar electricity, well, that's, that's an environmental impact as well. And so all of those things need to be taken into consideration. The other thing is Germany and France, they represent a great comparison in how well this works in tandem. When Germany has been reducing its nuclear reactors and decommissioning them, France has been increasing them. And now Germany pays four times the amount for electricity than a citizen in France pays for electricity. Germany is much more, in fact, totally beholden to Russia for its electricity, and France is essentially energy independent. And also, Germany produces 43% more carbon per person than France does. So you look at, you want to follow the science, follow the science. It's four times more expensive and 43% more emissions to do what Germany is doing. And you need to look at it at a big scale. You can't look at it like one solar factory or solar power grid and one nuclear power plant because there's there's a lot of variables there. But when you look at it from country to country, then you get some real figures that we can put into the calculation to determine what's the better method to go forward. This is all the time that we have for this week. This is Life, Death, and Law, 560 AM, KBLU. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.